Welcome to Time Out Coaching with Coach Tony Garvalotto. Today, we are welcoming uh, a rising star of British coaching. She is currently the Associate Head Coach at St. Francis College, Brooklyn, and Head Coach of Great Britain Under-16s Girls. Please welcome Coach Jen Leadham. Hello, thanks for having Hi. me, Coach. Um, you've obviously, you, you know, you've, you've been integral part of uh, of British basketball. You know, first as a player, and then obviously, you know, when you when you went over to college in America. But you know, so let's talk first about those early experiences as a player, and also you could, if you could, could you maybe talk maybe that there were some times where that has actually had some impact in your early coaching career. Yeah, definitely. So um, I was born and raised in Ellesmereport. I'm really proud of where I've come from. And um, yeah, we started playing basketball. I think it was for the 2000 Millennium Youth Games. We big netball family. My mom was a coach, coach netball. And we just kind of did basketball for a little bit of a joke. And somehow Jimmy McGinn crossed paths with us and kind of like the rest was history a little bit from there. But I was always really lucky that Ellesmere Port has this real little niche of basketball that like Robbie Pierce was involved, Mike Burton, Jimmy McGinn. Um, and it was kind of like, I mean, I grew up in Ellesmere Port and never really heard of basketball. And then you had the Chester Jets that were kind of around. So it was a real awesome community to be involved in. And we didn't really have National League when we first started. So we actually went over to Manchester and it was coached by Jeff Jones wow. for two years. Um, so I've really been lucky from a, re- I mean, I wasn't young. I was 15 when I started playing but I had really really good coaching when I was younger which I think allowed us me and my sisters when I say us and then even the girls around with the background of netball to kind of project us forward at a pretty fast rate and catch everybody up. Let's talk about someone uh, very quickly um, that a lot of people don't uh, that, uh, that, uh, that maybe the general coaching public don't m- know much about, which is Jimmy McGinn. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone would have heard of Robbie Pierce. He, you know, was yeah. multiple uh, coach of the year. You know, uh, won all of the trophies with, Jess, uh, with Chester. I had Mike Burden on um, about uh, two months ago, and Mike is a legend in any mm-hmm. type of British coaching. Um, yeah. But Jimmy, his name is, you know, synonymous with that area with success, um, but we don't hear much about him. And obviously he's now a little bit more in the background. Um, yeah. You know, talk to me about, you know, what, what was, what it was like, you know, with him as a coach. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be, I mean, obviously I credit a lot of who I am as a person to my parents, but I wouldn't be the basketball player I am if it wasn't for Jimmy McGinn. And the biggest takeaway from me with him was he coached us like we were basketball players. He didn't coach us like girls. He just coached us as basketball players. He was so tough on us. I remember my best Jimmy McGinn story is like, we, you know, we play, we play like local league with him. And then when we finally started to play national league, like we were good. And I'm like, not really that person to say that, but we were beating everybody. I remember being at Berry and we won by like 30, but he, we gave up too many layups in the fourth quarter and he made us do defensive slides after the game on the court. Now what goes, what, what you have to remember too with the, what goes with Jimmy is yeah. he had a fantastic group of parents too that like supported that. Like you do that today and it'd be like, my baby, why are you making them do slides after the game or something like that? But like he was tough on us and the parents supported that because they just wanted us to be great and be the best versions of us as basketball players and people. And it was just that time that I had at home playing for him is a massive, massive influence. And still to this day, if I go home, I will always call him or his wife, Edna, and make sure I go and stop there because I am beyond grateful for what he did for me individually in the in that kind of era of basketball. You're totally, you're totally right about those type of things now. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, there, there were times, you know, in my early coaching career, we would, um, we would do some of the same things. You know, we definitely would run after the, the, the games. Yeah. Um, but we've also done some stuff at halftime. And I know that some coaches um, didn't like that. But, um, you know, there is a there is definitely, uh, you know, I, you know, many people know my views on this subject that young people definitely are a little bit softer. Forget about the actual parenting type stuff yeah. as well. You know, there's definitely young people are, are not as uh, don't have the fortitude that uh, they did have in the past. But that, that's another story in itself. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've got this. Uh, we're going to. 
I think I'm going to come back to um, this kind of uh, all of these key characters when I ask you about these influences early on. But Mm -hmm. so you you started a little bit later than some some players, some 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 girls. But, you know, you you were successful as a player. What was the what what was the moment that you knew that you could potentially go to America and who who was facilitating that? Were you going out to camp in, 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 in the summer? What, what was the situation with regards to that? Honestly, I'd say nothing really came about it. Like I was, <laughs> so I was like 15. I just started playing, was in local league. And then it was like, at the time, I don't know if they do this anymore. And I probably should know this, to be honest. I'm a little like, I'm very honest. So it's not always a good thing. Um, we had like the North of England, like it would always be at Lillashaw. And I, like, when I was 16, I was in year 11, like, I didn't make that Northwest team. Like, I didn't make it. I remember I got cut because I couldn't make a left-handed lay. It was the reasoning. And I was devastated. And so America was not even a thought then. And then a lot of people didn't really go. And there was, like, Andrea Congreves was playing and a couple of the people had, like, thought about it. But there wasn't a ton of people I know, like, maybe Joe Clayden had gone over, like, a couple of people a little older than me. But it wasn't really a big thing. Um, so then when I was 17, um, kind of was in the England squad. And then a couple of people started talking about it. And I mentioned it to my parents. And they were like, absolutely not. And I was like, oh. Okay. So I did my A-levels. And then after my my second year of A-levels, like Joe was in a GCSE as my sister. And she was like, so the thing that my parents were talking about was you could go together. Like it was more a thing for them that if we went together, I think it would ease their minds a little bit. Um, My younger sister, Kirstie, was in year 10. So we just kind of started talking and planted some seeds. I know I played for Manchester with Jeff Jones and just, I honestly don't know how Joyce Jenkins, this lady who lives in Maryland came across off to our family. I honestly can't remember the connection there, but she had these multiple schools. Like there was one school for Joe that was like out in Colorado, but she would go by herself. And then this like prep school, lo and behold, Cheshire Academy came about and it was like, Oh my God, we're from Cheshire, England, Cheshire Academy. You can go together. And it just kind of happened that after I did my A-levels and Joe did her GCSEs, we kind of went out together. That's awesome. Who was, yeah. uh, who was your coach uh, on the England team? Ian Day and Nick Ibbotson. Wow. Okay. Shout That's out Nick Ibbotson. He is yeah. the best. One yeah. of the most loyalist England basketball people I know. Right. He is That's awesome. Good people. Interesting. Great. Um, so then you went to prep school and is that, you know, obviously you started really improving, um, do you, you know, any, any, any experiences you got there from, from the side or you just, at this moment, you're like absolutely a thousand percent as a player. You're not even thinking about the game in any other way. What, what was your, what yeah. Was your well, so, so just to backtrack before that, when I was home, like when I was doing my A-levels and it's funny cause I think you had Ben Thomas on here. So I, when I was like 17, I'd pass my driver test. I'd whip in my little Fiat Punto and I had like a Friday night coaching in Ellesmere Port was like primary school league. And I just like, you brought up in Ellesmere Port, like, and I think Ben touched on it to get, it's, you want to give back. Like you're so appreciative for the opportunity you've been given. You want to give back. And that was like, we coach on Fridays with like the little kids. And then I happened to just take this like under 12s, boys team that was like Josh McGinn, Jimmy's son, Ben Thomas, Lewis Thomas, like, and we'd go over to Manchester and play on a Monday night and I coached this like little local league team and it was awesome. And then I coached actually the boys and girls one, one year and another at the Cheshire Youth Games. So that was like, I did coach a little bit, but I didn't really think anything of it, to be honest. I was really locked in on like my experience and me playing and I really wanted to play professional and see how far that could go. And I never really thought it was just something fun I did. And, you know, like when you're involved in a club like Ellesmere Port Panthers, I was refing like local leagues and stuff and just kind of like just trying to be involved and, you know, kind of like how Vanessa touched on. It was just a community that you you get those opportunities and you just want to be around and, And it was cool and went to prep school. And honestly, prep school was a shock for me. Like my dad is really, my mom and dad are really, really tough sports people. Like everybody in Ellesmere Port will know who they are. Like they're, we're so lucky to have them, but we trained that summer before we went to America. Like we, I don't even know, like we run in every day, shooting all the time. And then I got to prep school and it was like three sports season. You're going to have to play volleyball. And I was like, what? (laughs) 
Okay. I played volleyball and that was like, you know, it was, it was tough going away from home, playing volleyball. It ne- wasn't necessarily the level we anticipated going to. It was like a couple class, it was like a class C, I think. And I think it was double A in prep school. So that was a little bit tough, but and we once again, really lucky to be surrounded by really good people um, that really kind of guided us and took care of us. And yeah, I landed on my feet and, and with a college opportunity and, and kind of went from there. And, and and that college opportunity was, you know, how, how did that come about and talk about that experience as well? So we were really good. We were kind of undefeated. We played a lot of, you know, we played some good teams, some bad teams. Um, not everybody was basketball player at prep school. And I didn't really know what the college like search was. So it was kind of just finding my way. And then UVM, University of Vermont, um, I'd been to see a couple of schools and they kind of offered me and it was a championship game and they were coming to see me play. And I was horrible. I was absolutely terrible. I was turning the ball over left and right and they pulled the offer and I was devastated. Um, you know, you just, and you don't know what it's about. And I kind of hadn't gone to visit because I was nervous. I didn't really want know what like the college experience was about. And then Mark Swayze, who coached me in college, happened to be at one of our games like a couple of weeks before. And he just reached out and was like, is she open? And this is like, this is the, my college experience and even my, my whole coaching experience. I've been so lucky, like things just for me happen. And I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Sure, absolutely. So I'm on my college visit at this little school in Franklin, in Franklin Pierce in the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire. And Newcastle, like Durham Academy, is like visiting and on the campus. And one of my really good friends, Laura Calder, who was on the under 18s, like Dave Calder's daughter, daughter, was on, was on the campus. And I literally walked in the gym and was like, oh my God, and knew all these people. And like we scrimmaged and we played and, you know, it wasn't my thing for me and my college decision that was super important was I wanted to go somewhere with impact. I didn't care about facilities. I didn't care about, I wanted to go somewhere where I knew I could play right away. I could play as a freshman. I knew I wasn't ever going to be a good cheerleader and be like, that wasn't me. I wanted to go where I could grow. I, I, I loved the game. I not really had a ton of involvement and, so uh, who did, is that a personal, was that personal, uh, a personal decision, but of course it's a personal decision by you. Is that something that you decided or had you assessed that or someone had given you advice because, you know, I'm going to just, I'll give you a name just uh, that, that you know extremely well um, from the Northwest region, um, Ben Eves. You know, Ben could yeah. have gone to George Washington to a mid-major and mm-hmm. would have been a 20-minute player, you know, straight as a freshman. And he mm-hmm. takes the decision to go to Connecticut, University yeah. of Connecticut, who yeah. had just come off of two years before winning a national yeah. championship and had 10 future NBA, NBA yeah. 6 or 10 and above players. And I, and I never, you know, I've always advocated exactly what you say about, you know, mm-hmm. look, you know, it's not just about the name and, uh, yeah. the, you know, the spiel. It's about, you know, what are they going to do for you and your game how can they grow your game yeah I mean I think it was so late that I just I think I was very mature like for my age and I kind of my parents are very supportive but I kind of knew who I was and what I wanted. I don't know. I I don't really know where that decision came from, if I'm honest. Like, I just, for me, it felt right. And I could see myself, like, you know, for, for me, like, I, I always go and I'm surveying the situation. Like, where do I see myself fitting in? Like, I'm not, like, you know, I came from Ellesmere Port. We played in a youth center where the backboards were terrible. And we had to spend the first five minutes of practice, like, avoiding all the spit on the floor from the footballers that were in before. Like, it's just, I've never had the bells and whistles and I don't think most people have that in the UK. And I just, that wasn't something that was enticing to me. And it was always being a winner. And that's how I've been, been brought up is to whatever your role is kind of like you want to impact and be a part of winning. And I, I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah. It's so funny. No one's really ever really asked me that. I just, it just felt right. Like that place for me. 
So you go, uh, you go there and you have an incredible college career, you know, um, talk to me about that in that, in some, some of the highlights. And yeah. again, was there anything, you know, talk a little bit about the, the head coach or the coaching, you know, was, was that impacting you resonating with you as a player, you know, just talk about that, that situation. Yeah. I mean, my freshman year, I couldn't stand him. I thought he was absolutely crazy. I thought like we were building a culture and, we were building a program and he we tried like he lit sage in the locker room like he tried the whole Notre Dame like tap the thing and it was just like we were just in a growing period of like he took over he had his players in, he had all players in and you know if I'm not gonna sit here like did did transferring cross my mind 1000% but I've always been brought up to stick it out you make a unless you know be realistic if if you make a commitment you see through that commitment and it got better like we got better players we like gelled the culture got better um he kind of changed a little bit as a coach like as a coach he kind of he was very very strict and it was his way or the highway at first but like as we got older and he trusted us more and we earned his like you know he'd earned our respect we'd earned his respect there was a common kind of mutual ground of where we were going and headed and those first couple of years even with joe coming in her sophomore my sophomore year and her freshman year it was really hard um i think people always remember the good times but we had some terrible practices we had some terrible days we had some bad losses but we pushed and persevered and believed in a common goal and yeah my senior year we we played in a national championship and it was probably one of the best experiences of my life for sure uh, was there a was there a specific style that this coach was using, and and uh, you know that that some of the stuff that maybe you have taken? Or- yeah, he was very. Um, he put in like a four out one in, like kind of very early before. It, like I felt like we were one of the first to kind of really do that. Uh, we had one sure in America for sure yeah, because was- in, in America, even in this day and age, yeah. even in NCAA Division One men's basketball, there's, right. there's not every team is four out one in. There's still yeah. I still see two posts. I still see someone standing on the low yeah. block on either yeah, side of the so floor. Gonna, I'm like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy. So we he moved us, and it was hard at first because it was like you know that's chemistry it's like learning where to play like you've gone from being really structured but he was very he he was a really really good x's and o's guy and his practices were always with purpose they were challenging they were competitive and and we kind of just built from there and we believed in what he his vision was and he was he was very understanding. Like I had a very weird dynamic with him. Like I remember one time we'd always bring in an Australian and he asked me like, you know, my, my junior year, we didn't bring somebody in and we went to the elite eight and he was like, you know, I'm thinking about bringing it to my senior thinking about bringing in an Australian. Like what's your thoughts on that? And I was like, well, we just went to the elite eight. Like, no, I don't think we should bring anybody in in January. We moved forward. We had a great January and like we focused on us. And he was like, you're insulting my recruiting skills. And I was like, tell me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> he had like a really funny dynamic. But still to say, I still talk to him. He's actually back at coaching at Franklin Pierce now. He's such a great man. He's, you know, he's so, you know, Karen, obviously he has his differences with people at times, but his X's nose and his knowledge of the game is phenomenal, in my opinion. At the end of your senior, you know, senior season, like you say, at the national mm-hmm. championship game and stuff, what what's your thoughts after that? Now, are you are you starting to think, you know, I want to be a professional player, or um, like you had said, you you know, that was your goal? Um, what 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 was the dynamic there, and 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 what was your next stages before you ended up going into? Yeah, the- I mean, at this point, so it was two thousand nine. In two thousand nine, there was World University Games. Um, yeah. There was the Olympics were on the table. So I was like, yeah, like that's my goal. I was had never been in the women's squad. Um, I played under 18s, under 20s for Vanessa Ellis. Her first year that Vanessa coached under 20s was my last year with under 20s was the first year they had it. That was like, I thought Vanessa Ellis was like an absolute rock star. She was like this trailblazing honest as they come like doesn't care to cater to anybody's like you know she just beats she's gonna do what she's gonna do and she's gonna own it and I love that about her like she tells it how it is she's not gonna 
I feel like in the UK, sometimes people flip flop a little bit of who they're talking to about what they say. She's going to be who she is. And, and she was like, didn't care who played for what club. She was starting the best five. She was playing these people. And, and we, we did really well. And it was like, I really enjoyed playing for her. It was, and she's someone that I thought, wow, like, yeah, I would love to coach like her. And, um, and that moment, but right before I graduated, I my the athletic director from Franklin Pierce came up to me and he was like, you know, we'd had a really successful year. We'd had a couple of successful years. We won two regional titles. And he was like, listen, I'm a person that likes to get my ducks in a line. Um, your leadership is phenomenal. Have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, you know, yeah, obviously I coached at home. Like I'd love to coach. Like it's definitely something like down the road I'm thinking of. And he was like, okay, just like good to know. I like to have my ducks in a line. So I was like, okay. And then I didn't get picked for the World University Games at first, which was kind of a little bit of a blow. And then somebody, I don't know who vouched for me, but like kind of I like got a late kind of invite to, to the, the camp, which was really great to be a part of. And I remember we were home for a couple of days Um and Joe got a call from Coach Swayze being like, I've took another job. And I was like to my parents, oh, my goodness, I think the athletic director is going to ask me some way or some form to like coach. And this is Division Two, where mostly at the time, the assistants, especially for Angle Pierce, was a GA or part time. Mm. And lo and behold, like two hours later, the phone rings and he's like offered me this phenomenal opportunity. Like it was I was going to be an assistant. They would make me full time. Um, and it's in the Northeast 10, which is such a good conference. Sure. And in three, they would mentor me. And in three years, I would be the head coach if everything went to plan. Wow. So I was like, that's oh. awesome. Yeah. So that was, that was it then, you know, in that well, respect. It was, like, it was so like, it's, I have so many people, like I had, a, I had, you know, my people and friends, a lot were in the States. Then I had this opportunity of like, like the Olympics is in London, like can I make the 12, like I went to a training camp with Tom. I went to the world university games in Serbia. I played and made that squad. And I felt like at that point I was also playing my best basketball. Mm. But the best thing about my parents is like, it was like make a pros and cons list. This decision, we want to be your decision because it's a really big decision. We'll support you whatever you want to make, but it has to be your decision. Yeah. So uh, that 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 World Shooting Games team was Tom Mayer that coached that. Yeah, that must have been one of his first. Uh, that was his first. very first, um, you know, event that he coached. Yeah. Um, was Tom, that Ken, Damien, and Vanessa. And Vanessa. Yeah. And, and, and am, am I right in thinking? Do you know? Was that was that one of the were, was where was one of the first camps for that? Do you know that? Do you, can you remember? Can you remember if it was in Manchester? Because like, all our camps were in Manchester. Yeah, I actually was at one of the first camps, um, yeah. and I'll be honest with you. You know, I was I walked out of there and I was like, wow. You know, you're talking about, you know, um, staying true to not coaching, just coaching players, yeah. not worrying whether they were female or male. You know, I, I said to myself, you know, um, I could see why he's been a success because he's yeah. literally coaching like he's coaching men. Um, mm -hmm. And he just wasn't like he didn't back down on anything. I mean, yeah. it was hardcore. Um, was and the amount of tears in that first that wow. first camp was. <laughs> I have never in my whole entire life or career felt as sore as I did that after those first two days. Yeah. I like couldn't move. I was like, oh my gosh, it was yeah. so hard. But he was oh, what he did for British basketball in that moment and that time. He was the perfect person for that job. It's really interesting because that's exactly what Vanessa said as well. You know, so that's a really interesting statement. So you you get involved in coaching. Um, you know, what's what's this kind of transition? You know, I'm I'm assuming you still you know you still love playing, which you know that's a that's a yeah. tough that's a tough thing to resolve. I mean, we've all been there. Um, yeah. you know, I was, you know, younger and I'd, you know, come off of some ACL injuries. Uh, you know, I love playing and sometimes you're out there trying to demonstrate a, a skill and you're, you're getting yeah. more, you know, kind of confident that you can, you know, and I've even seen people like Nick Nurse, you know, believe that they could play even against the very <laughs> best. So, I mean, what, how, how did you resolve that kind of, you know, like all that energy you had, uh, you were playing the best basketball and now you were being put into this, this different role. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, my first year was like, 
It was definitely a blur. Our team was, we were number one in the country for like 16 weeks. I mean, Joe was the player of the year that year. And it was, I was so like, I don't think in my, I mean, I hope I do, but we were 32 and two. I mean, who does that? Like it was an unbelievable experience and it was my first year. I'm coaching the best player in the country. I mean, Joanna's phenomenal. I will, I will never give her any praise to her face. Just, she just knows I love her, but like, she she's special and she and she was from a young age and she was then when she was in college she just has this ability to make everybody better and she's such a good leader and she leads she walks the walk like she talks the talk and she walks the walk and she works hard she'll guard the best player she'll do whatever it takes to win and I was so lucky to be a part of that as a coach but the one thing that was like I didn't realize and this might sound really daft I didn't realize really what coaching was so I just thought like, oh yeah, you go to practice. And then like, what is he in the office all day? I was, it was like game prep, game scouts, paperwork, recruiting. I was so overwhelmed. Right, sure. That like, I just, <laughs> and you know, like I'm first year I coach and like and coach Hancock was awesome and he mentored me and Bruce Kirsch mentored me. But like, there was only him and I, it wasn't like division one where there was like five people on staff. It was Batman and Robin against the world and we had to do everything and driving all over the country and it's you know it's division two like so it's a different budget and yeah like that's what makes you figure out like if you love it and I was like you know what this is a lot but I'm coaching basketball I'm watching basketball I'm watching film and this is like my job this is amazing <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's a great point uh yeah. you know not not a lot of a lot of ex-players or players that played at a really high level like at college and you know mm-hmm. when they go into coaching they really don't understand what what is really what what it's all about they yeah. do think that you're they're seeing you two hours a day or yeah. you know what the extra hour you're doing with individual workouts they don't realize uh, you know how much it actually is so that's really interesting so two quick questions before we start talking about all of this uh, coaching in, in, in American in an American college system. Um, so you've talked about some of the coaching influences early on. Is there anyone else um, that you that you want to mention or that you kind of really resonated with you? And then more importantly, what were you starting to think about as a coach, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, were you thinking, um, you know, I wanted to, I want to be four out one in, I want to, you know, be a very open offensive coach with, you know, transition or defensively led. What, what, what were some of those thoughts? Um, I think people early on, I think why I will never, I was, even when I was in college, every time I went home, like we didn't have summer school. So every time I went home, I had some form of involvement with basketball, whether it was with Ellsmithport or I know one year, uh, the summer of 2008, I did an internship with the Cheshire Phoenix. I don't even remember who, to be honest, was the head coach at that time. Uh, it would be um, uh, Paul, but, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul Smith. Yeah, and I know that I know that because no offense, but that was my that was when I started at Everton Tigers and I was beating them. So <laughs> I'd I'd gone through the Robbie Pierce getting beating me. Yeah. So at that time, I was always going to Northgate uh, and winning all of the most. Yeah, that's games. So yeah, well, Peter Hawkins, they had this thing in schools, sure. and I like coached for health. Them. Yeah, yeah, hoops for health. Helps for health. So yeah. I was like, from like a like kind of learning how to run a practice and whatever, like I was kind of shadow and like Rich Murphy, he was on the team at the time and he'd go in and do this a lot. And I just went with him like all over the place on summers and like, we just go together and like, he'd run a session and then he'd be like, okay, now you're going to do this one or take down here, run this drill. And like, I got a lot of experience and I really enjoyed it. And like, it was so, what was really great for me and I kind of like really figured I'd love to whether it was training or coaching or whatever it was and training wasn't really a big thing back then was like I love to see the improvement and it was like primary school it was like little kids but like when you constantly keep going back and you're doing things like they can't dribble with the left hand but now you've gone back in six weeks and they're like really confident dribbling it with the left hand like that was a massive reward for me yeah. and he also like I don't know if this is an Ellesmere Port thing but like I just felt like I had people around me that always threw me in the fire to kind of make me figure it out. Like there was no coddling. It was like, okay, you're going to go down here with these 10 kids, like run this session. And I'll be like, 
oh my gosh, but you just figure it out. And I was super grateful for that. And I think when it comes to coaching philosophy is funny to me, cause it's like, okay, is it culture? Is it like off the court, on the court? I think on the court, I'm definitely God, God heavy, God, or I think you win with gods, no doubt about it. I think you win with gods. I don't enjoy playing with two post players whatsoever. It drives me absolutely crazy. Um, and then I think for me, from a defensive, I'm definitely more defensive orientated. Like when I was, you know, Joe was an unbelievable, Joe and Kirsty were unbelievable offensive weapons, but my thing was always growing up was defense for sure. So I'm definitely a defensive minded person. I don't believe you even, I think you can have an understanding of the game and be a good defender. I don't think you need to be the fastest or the most athletic. I think that helps, but I think, you know, and the, the, my, my dad all the time would be like, you have to want to play defense. (laughs) And it's definitely a mindset. And so I'd say, yeah, definitely. I think I took a lot too from like Tom had some really good stuff with like opening up the court because he came from Australia with big shoot threes. And I felt, I, I feel like I've been around a good amount of people where I've took little bits from everybody and I've been really fortunate for that. Interesting. Um, so now you, you're, you're, you're starting to get yourself, you know, uh, you know, this early part of your coaching, coaching career, what, um, you know, you do how many years at, uh, uh, Franklin Pierce, what, how many did you do? Three, three years? Three years as an assistant. And then I got the head coach. I actually was announced the head coach April, 2012 before the Olympics. Wow. So that was like really cool. Um, yeah. So then I was, and I was a head coach there for four years. Wow. That's unbelievable. And, you know, so the transition from assistant, um, to head coach, you know, talk a little bit about that. You know, you're on the sidelines, you're you're learning to be a coach. So you're doing breakdowns, you're doing scouting reports, you're doing all of that recruiting stuff. Um, are you, uh, how are you uh, thinking as an assistant coach in the game situation and how are you um, relaying information to the head coach at that time? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I'm going to continue to say it and it might be repetitive, but I just was really lucky. Like I was given, I had a, this like a group of people at Franklin Pierce, like Bruce Kirsch was an athletic director and he was a basketball guy. Steve Hancock, um, who was the head coach at the time and had coached me. And then David Chadbourne was a men's coach and he coached the women's side too for a little bit. So they were all really influential to me and really helpful. We talked basketball for hours, you know, like you live, breathe and eat it over here. Like it's like, it's like how football kind of is in, in England. Like, yeah, of course, absolutely. When you're in that and you're around that, you know, and, and you kind of band together in this kind of, community and it's really cool that people are invested in you and want to see you do well and I was really lucky to have that like coach Hancock would let let me run a practice or let me run a drill or this is your scout or when you lead on it and he get he gave me a lot of say really early on and I was super fortunate because the girls that played you know I played with all of those girls until I was a head coach and they were I was their starting point guard So I kind of already had like a leadership kind of voice from that perspective. And I don't, I just, it wasn't like, I think it was like, I I was really lucky that it was known and I was like mentored into it and it was like a natural progression. So it was very organic. Sorry. Uh, Were you going to uh, coaching clinics or, you know, like Um, I, 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 I talked to Donna Finney about, you know, that ability, like uh-huh. you just said, to be able to talk to the men's coaches, mm-hmm. the assistants, to talk to other basketball people mm-hmm. when you're scouting and recruiting. Yeah. Um, so you're immersed. But were you doing clinics at that time? Were, what, 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 what were you doing to keep upscaling your, your knowledge? Um, the bi- I mean, the big thing over here is the Final Four. Like, that is a major, major, like, tool from an education standpoint. And, like, your school sends you like they pay for you. They want you to be there. And it's, you know, it's literally like five days of just intense basketball. You hear different people talk, whether it's Gina, whether it's Pat Simmer on the call or like Dawn Staley, like, and all these, like nobody's too big and everybody wants to give back to the game. And that is like, you know, for me to be at a final four and wherever I was at, like Denver, like, 
Nashville, wherever, and like I'm seeing like Tara Vanderveer like walk out here or whatever. It was just I was so grateful to be supported by our school to want me to go to those things. And and that's like, I mean, being at the final four and in those moments, that's better than any like, you know, obviously this clinic's like the big schools run like clinics to go to and they'll show practices. And, you know, it was before kind of social media was really big. So you had to like go in person and, um, but the final four is definitely the biggest thing. You just reminded me, were you able to ever get to, were you, you know, did you ever think about going down to see Gino and coach on the floor? Were you able to do that? So we, <laughs> my, <sighs> I think it was my second or th- I think it was my second year we played UConn. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, he's he's the real deal. Like he yeah. he comes over like, oh yeah, you and your sister. Da, 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 how's it going? What you did? Da, da, da. And then when I was like going through all like my green card stuff, Gino wrote me a letter in support of me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so that, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So that was like, that's a really cool moment for me. And that's something that I'll keep forever. I mean, honestly, he probably walked past me in the street, which is totally fine. <laughs> but like, it's, you know, so I don't really care. Like, and the thing that's really great too is what I did as a division assistant and coach is there's a pocket. Like, when you're division two, they love for you to come to their practices. So I go to practices all the time. Like, you know, division one, they're practicing. We're in that like October 15th at division two sign and they're starting practice. So I will go like Maureen McGowardy, who like Dave McGowardy, her, her dad is the head coach of army and they just played army and Holy cross. Like a few weeks ago, I would go to Maureen's like practices. I would go to like, you know, nobody cared, like, you let you come in like and I had like an abundance of good people that would let you must slow like a lot of division one schools that would like invite you in or whoever so I did that too which I think you know I think a growth mindset is something that I have and I think what's the best thing about being over here is there's always somebody better yeah yeah like there just is like you're not that's great you're doing that in your environment I mean unless you are like the Dawn Staley's and the Gino Oriamas of the world like the there's still so much more for you. And I think even them, the best thing about them is they know there's still so much to learn. And I sure. think you always just want more and you want to keep learning. And the minute you get comfortable, you, you it's not a good thing. So um, you're challenged. Definitely. So, um, so you, now you become the head coach, um, talking yeah. just a, you know, briefly about that. I mean, that's a, that's a big jump. Um, you know, it's, uh, completely different now you're in charge, you know, of complete yeah. philosophy of, uh, you know, of everything, you know, in a game situation. So you're calling yeah. plays, you're calling timeouts. I mean, you know, what was some of the early trials and tribulations there? Yeah. I mean, people ask all the time, like, are you ready? And I'm like, you're never ready. Like, when are you ever ready? You just like figure it out. And like, if you mess up, like my thing for me is if you mess up, just own it. Like nobody's perfect. I think when you try to make out like you're this like perfect person that does nothing wrong, it's, it's not relatable and it's like disingenuine and it's hard to, for the kids to relate to too. Like, and I think, yeah, I was really lucky of, I had a great group of girls that worked really hard. Um, and we had an environment where winning was almost expected. And I think they had that within themselves too. So it was kind of like, it was a very player led program at that point, which for me, they were super respectful and they wanted to be, they wanted to keep this legacy that had kind of started to build, go, mm-hmm. go on. And it was really like, a cool thing to take over. I mean, was I nervous? Absolutely. I was like, Oh my gosh. And then like, I think one of my first conference games, the guy who was my assistant, Steve Hancock, who coached me, he like had some back surgery that like had got messed up and couldn't coach. And Joe was visiting at the time because this was like 2012 for some reason, she didn't have a team after the Olympics was quite, which was quite crazy. And that's like a whole other story about like how she got in touch with her agent. Cause I had a recruit on campus and her uncle was an agent and they just, he was like, Joe's your sister. How did she not have a team? And I was like, and then now they work together and he was her agent for however many years. And she was over helping me and, and she coached that game with me. And I had another, like the men's, um, 
assistant at the time kind of stepped in and helped me. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, but you know, you can't, you know, you've been there. Like you can't, you have to just fake the funk to an extent and be like, all right, we're here. We're rolling. Like, let's figure it out. Like yeah. <laughs> play hard. <laughs> I, I learned that one uh, very early. It's a funny story. I have a, a real quick, funny story. I, I was at, I was at five star um, at Pitt three you know one of the best um, yeah. back in those days you know was like yeah. really the best and it started raining and Garth came over to me and he said you're the young British coach aren't you and I said yeah and he said you're going to the podium and I want a 20 minute talk um, on international basketball and I just I was like you know I'm, I'm from Britain I'm not really I don't even know anything I'm like just started coaching like two or three years earlier but like you said you just got to go out there and just yeah. sell it you know and own it and uh, mm -hmm. that's what I did but you know it's a not not a full bar basketball story but yeah. one kind of so yeah no, 100%. I say that to my girls all the time like whatever you do just do it with confidence like nine times out of ten if you point this way the ref's probably going to point that way too yeah. just own it like forget. yeah that's a great that's a great point um any 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 other real key moments in this four years I'm I am speeding through some of these things but uh, um you know kind of like uh, like you say you know um regrets or or things you learn you know I got to be better prepared uh you know for out of timeout plays or you know something that you really fought season to season you got better in what was uh any anything that comes to mind there uh yeah I think I think looking back now to like my experience I think I definitely would have done like situations a lot more um within like practice I think that's really important and I just think there's a fine line with coaching with kind of being able to run a practice or a team and make them feel confident, but also putting them in the pressure cooker to be prepared. I think I sometimes put them in the pressure cooker more than I did build them up with confidence. Um, so I think, I think if, <laughs> if my girls like that, I first coach saw me coach now be like, Oh, you're so soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, and then just, you know, I think as you learn, you know, you look back and just like different strategies. I mean, 2020 is hindsight. Like when you look back and oh, I should have called a timeout there. I think that's, I think that's what, I think every coach probably does that. But I, you know what else too, that I do regret? I think, and I've gotten better at this and this is something I really put time into and it's hard to do, but I, it's a focus for me mentally is I wasn't in the moment. And I look back at my time at Franklin Pierce and I was so, as a young coach, I think you're so focused on, okay, I'm going to be a head coach to this head coach. Now I want to be like, I want to get to division one. I want to get to division one. And I think I wasn't in the moment and enjoyed some really cool achievements that I was so worried about what was next. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, Oh, I mean, we, we played uh, division two, like all three years as an assistant, we went, we had phenomenal players and we went to the NCAs all three years. And then my four years as a head coach, two out of four years, we also went and it was, you know, for Franklin Pearson, where we were at to say like, we went, I think six out of eight years is an, yeah. an, an unbelievable achievement. And I just, in that moment, I didn't necessarily enjoy it the way I kind of looking back would have liked to. Interesting. What was the catalyst to uh, leave and go back as an assistant then? Um, yes. Yeah, so jump it was, the level. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, I'd looked about going maybe division one and people talked about it, but honestly my whole visa thing was kind of like a little bit of a mess and Franklin Pierce, it's tough to get into it because I don't really want to like talk badly about anybody. Cause that's no. not really like who I am, but it just like, it didn't work out there. Like it was from like, you know, when you talk about visas and green cards in the United States, it's very, you have to be on top of your stuff. And I was at a private school, which like I loved and I was super grateful for, but like, you know, there's certain wages, there's certain contracts and there's certain things that needed to be handled. And it just, it wasn't done like that. And it was just too risky. So I made the opportunity, like it's actually my friend, my teammate from Franklin Pierce, who was a senior when I was a freshman and, it, and she was at Delphi at the time we coached against each other. We had a really cool bond. She was awesome. Like I'll call her like, 
oh my God, we haven't won this game. Da, da, da. And like, she called me and it was just like a really cool, like relationship we had where we'd kind of go back and forth. And we were in the same conference, but like, if we played each other, we wouldn't talk to each other for a week. Like there's just that common understanding. And she got a division one job at Wagner down here in Staten Island. And she was like, look, like I, I want you to come along. And I thought about it and took some time to kind of really reflect because I hadn't really taken any time. And then yeah, I was like, let's do it. So I ended up at, at Wagner in, I think it was 2016, maybe 2015 or 2016. Sure. And was that, uh, you know, you, you obviously immersed in, in, in the college game at this moment. Mm-hmm. So you knew what you were probably walking into, but you know, was yeah. it, was it still, you know, another level, you know, the players being slightly better or, you know, what, what was the, yeah, the things I mean, that were different there and, Division two is super competitive and the Northeast is awesome. It's just a completely different beast at division one. It's just a completely different thing from like money to expectations to staff. Like it's just different. And the cool thing for me that I was most excited about is like, I'd been in this environment where, you know, I'd been at Franklin Pierce since I was 18 years old and I was now whatever I was 20, 28, 29. And I felt like, I just needed to kind of leave the nest. And Mm. the thing that I was most excited about with Wagner was it was a rebuild and we were completely rebuilding. I'd never really been a part of that. And I think when you do some, I was like a part of it as a player, I guess, but not as a coach, like the culture was built. The standards were set when I took over and I was really lucky to, to, you know, I just had to steer the ship. I just had to still continue recruiting players and just steer the ship, not ruffle too many feathers and just keep it moving. And I think building you really learn a lot about yourself so i was really excited to to be involved in that and that's what wagner was am i right in thinking that one of the biggest challenges even though it's a challenge in any college or environment in america is is recruiting um were you heavily involved in in recruiting at wagner and you know was it you know the arms race that it is i mean i think that's That was something that for me at this level, like when I think if I look back and like talk about this, like the Northeast 10 is really good. Like, and we played and we played division one teams and we beat them. Like we beat Vermont, like my first year, speaking of first games, like my first game I ever coached, we beat UVM in an exhibition. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, so I knew that. But then when you get to division one and especially now in like 2015, 2016 and 2020, like now is crazy with social media. Like there's all this hype. So you get caught up in like, you know, the amount of people on Twitter, like this person's got this offer and this person's got that offer. And I feel like we could have just kept recruiting the same players, but you felt like you needed to kind of compete more with like Stony Brook or like Vermont or whatever those teams to get these players. And it's like, I felt like we probably would have still had a niche at like division two and getting those players to just come play division one, but it's definitely competitive. I think it's, you know, I mean, listen, it's great coaching, but let's not all be fooled here. Like it's the players. Like I think the new England Patriots and Bill Belichick is the perfect example of that. Like it was Brady and Bill and no disrespect. He's unbelievable, but Brady's in a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a great point. So, great point. Um, yeah. I mean, especially, especially in, in college, because you know, edited, you're, you're always trying to get an edge yeah. with a player, you know, a player mm-hmm. and you have this, you know, the, yeah. there is a, a whole variety. So one of my questions was, were you able to utilize your, you know, that, this international background that you got because you know i do know you know i know most of the british coaches that are coaching in america in the college mm-hmm. systems and they can conveniently you know go home um have you have you were you able to do that um in in any sort of way you know or, or more importantly were you able to use utilize contacts abroad more more importantly yeah, definitely. I think I'm really grateful for my opportunity and I always want to, you know, give opportunities to international players. I know and I relate and I know what that's like to go through that experience. I mean, it might, even my Franklin Pierce team, we had international players. My Franklin Pierce team, we had international players. And then Wagner, I mean, there's a girl who's a senior over there now, Kalia, who played for Jackson Gibbons. Like she came over and played there. We had a couple of internationals over there, Australians. And then, I mean, half of our team right now at St. Francis is is foreign to international. So, right. Yeah, it's definitely. But the, the lady I work for right now, she's a really big, you know, 
we have New York City and we have dorms in New York City. That's a massive sell for an international kid. You say Brooklyn to a couple of uh, Americans over here, it's not exactly always a sell. You know, it's been interesting and it's been really great. I've been really grateful to have really good opportunities in the States and outside. I mean, I went out um, and coached a camp in Australia one summer where I to do that and that was a really good experience too um, so now i'm just sorry i'm moving you <laughs> on a little bit uh, you know you're so you're at st francis now what mm-hmm. was there what was the um you obviously you're the associate head coach mm-hmm. there now so that's again another step up yeah you know, what what describe a little bit about your role even though we're in a pandemic so it's not the easiest of things yeah. and you know what's a typical week look for for coach leadham yeah uh we practice every day. We have to have one day off a week right now, which is typically after a game. Our games, like it's hard with pandemic, like post, like before the pandemic, you know, you'd be out on the road watching high school games, um, recruiting, kind of getting kids come in for uh, official and official visits and stuff. But right now it's, we go in, we meet as a staff, uh, we go over film. Uh, we do a lot of film individually with the girls. It's very focused because we can't go out and recruit. I know it's a dead period. We, it's very focused on our teams. Um, and I, you know, I feel I feel kind of bad for the for the girls this year because it's it's difficult. We're tested three times a week, so you go in. I mean, starting this week, we practice. This week looks like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we practice. So yesterday we walk in, we have COVID testing when we get there. We have a staff meeting. Then we do film and we was film after not a great, it was a bad loss that we had. So we did like a two hour film session, like really kind of intense and then did shooting practice and then they go to lift and then we meet as a staff for the next day. Just, uh, just, just talking about that. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm a, I'm really, you know, like, always ask coaches you know review game especially game review what are you what are you doing are you doing uh like old school you you gotta watch every play from the game you know frame by frame rewind rewind or are you uh, you know normally are you breaking it into sections how how does you how do you and the head coach uh, deal with that Um. This year's a little different because we, like, for the most part, we play back-to-back. So it's, like, a really, like, short-term memory, quick turnaround, things we did well, things we didn't do well. You know, like, there's a lot of players, like, think and associate film with negativity. And I think you can learn a lot and see a lot of positives, too. So yesterday was a lot of we watched the whole game and it was like not pretty like after the third quarter it was like all right you got the picture like let's do this out type of thing it was like rewind like and i think what we do a lot which i think is really i really like is at the end of the game our head coach isn't in the locker room she doesn't go in and scream and yell we bring it in and she always tells them to take a piece of paper and reflect on the game and when we meet whether it's the day after the next game like bring like what what did we do well what do you think we like need to improve on as a team what do you think you did well or what do you think you could do better and and like we kind of they get the floor first to speak about it and they also get to hear what their peers say about it too and then we'll watch and you know for the most part we show like good things that we do things we need to improve on things maybe that are like non-negotiables for us that we teach every day that people aren't really getting the habit of like for us right now we're young spacing is a really big thing for us um close out yeah yeah, exactly it's just different to the to the game you know it's, it's it changes all the time and i think that's the best part of coaching right now is you kind of have to be adaptable and you have to kind of meet your team where you're at like if you know we're having a tough year we're young but a lot of the times we've got like four freshmen two sophomores or two three two sophomores two two freshmen and a senior like we were really really young because her first year like they had 18 wins and were really good but had seven seniors so um, we're definitely rebuilding, um, but it's cool because you get to see the growth from in you know the day to day kind of grind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just uh, moving it on because I, I am conscious of your time, and um, so you know, talk a little bit about you know it, it's actually a combination. So first of all, you know, being appointed Great Britain, you know, under 16s head coach, um, you know, and and what that means and how 
you know, you feel that you, you're going to be able to, to, to go in and, and do, and do something on of, at that level. Um, yeah. and secondly, you know, w- w- a little bit about the, the uh, British basketball coaching in general. Um, do you get many, uh, young coaches, you know, reaching out to you or, you know, what, what's your thoughts in that respect? Yeah. Um, Talk about maybe GB under 16s first. Yeah, so the GB 16s, I was like, I've wanted to get involved. When Jeff Jones was doing the under 20s, I think three years ago, he asked me to be involved and it just wasn't good timing. Like, like um, I was, you know, I'm all about giving back. So it's not a money thing for me. And I, I want to be, I want to be involved and I've always wanted to be involved, but it's got to be the right situation. Like for me, and who I am, you can't be half in, half out. Sure. I wanted, if I was going to do it, I want to be committed to it. And it's already hard enough anyway, because you know how it is over here. Summer recruiting is like a really big thing. So I was, when Jeff was doing it, it just, the girl, so we have four assistants at the division one level. And so the four assistants, one guy was having, his wife was having a baby. Uh, one was the GA, so she couldn't recruit. Um, and then, she, and the baby was due like right in the middle of summer recruiting. And then my other friend who was on staff with me tore ACL and was having to have surgery. So there was only me and the head coach that could really go out. And it was like super last minute. And I was just like, it's not going to work. Like it's bad time. And I was really disappointed. It was like the under twenties, his first, I think it was his first year he was doing it. Um, so that didn't work out for me. So I was like, okay. And then, you know, people have like mentioned, and then I don't know why I was always just like thinking like, yeah, I'll be someone's assistant. And then I was like, well, why not? Like, why not just put your name in the hat to see if you can be a head coach? Like what? No harm, no foul. Like you've been a head coach before, like, you know how to run a program experience. Like, absolutely. You know, if, if people believe in you, give the opportunity, like go from there. So, and I know like I have, I do have a good group of people at home that are super helpful. Like Jackson, I love, he's great. Uh, Karen Burton and Vanessa Ellis are like really helpful too. And like, you know, Len and Kenrick have like reached out and also like helped me. And obviously there's a million other people I could name. James Veer, Steve Veer, like there's so many people. I don't want to like miss anyone or offend anyone either. Um, And I was, I just, I interviewed with them and, I don't know. <laughs> I don't mean this bad, but I don't know if like, I just was very real and authentic. And like, they were kind of like laughing at me when they were interviewing me. Cause they were just like, we've never had someone really be like this real. And I was just kind of like, it was kind of for me, like if I get, if I get it great, but if I don't like, okay, like I'll just have someone recruiting, which I don't, I don't mean that bad. That's no. just like my story and my situation. I'm just being real. And it wouldn't be true if I wasn't real. Um, and and they they offered it to me and they wanted me to do the twenties at first. They thought they assumed when they were interviewing me, like, yeah, so you do the twenties because it's college. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. They all come and they've already had bad experiences or have their opinions. Like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, no way. Like, and I love to teach the game. Like, I love to teach it. And I'm like from Jimmy and the drills we always did, did like did growing up or and were a part of us. Like, I think you can influence at that agency major growth. Mm. And I, and for me, I think that's what's kind of lacking in the UK game is, you know, in, in my perfect world, and I've said this to multiple people, it's no secret, I would love to take an under-16 team and stay with them all the way to 20s. So it's my system, my philosophy. Like, we talk about what we don't have. Like, we don't have funding. We don't have this. We don't have that. Okay, so how do we overcome that? We overcome that by consistency. For me, consistency in basketball and coaching and life is huge. You want to you lose weight, you have to have, be consistent with your working out and your diet. Well, if we want to be good at basketball, there needs to be a consistent message because my message and my coaching philosophy is completely different to Kenrick and Len and we learned that this summer. So I go and I'm preaching this for two years and then they go to Kenrick and he's completely different to me. So now they have to learn this and change this. So I feel like an advantage for us in the UK and that's also investing in coaches and giving people an opportunity. Mm. Like you have to say, you know what, we're committed to you being a a head coach or being involved with this program for six years, which is a lot and it's difficult to make a decision. I'm not saying that's an easy decision, but I think that's how you see growth. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a very, you know, clear vision, you know, when I was the men's coach that, you know, we were going to, 
um, put a lot of core uh, philosoph philosophical actions and also tactical actions, core stuff that was going to filter all the way down, you know, 20s, 18s, 16s. And that meant that we didn't need to change the coaches as much. But then I still wanted the individual coaches to have the creativity to coach like they wanted to coach. But you're absolutely right. In a lot of countries in the world, um, they bring their coaches through the system with the teams, which is really, really interesting. I don't think uh, the problem with UK is I don't think we're mature enough as a basketball nation for that to happen at this moment, or we don't have the strong enough leadership, one of the two. Um, you know, to, but we definitely need to think about some of those things because it's really important. I really yeah. like that point there. Um, obviously, pandemic has uh, crucified that situation um, yeah. almost not happening and I'm worried that we won't even get uh, this summer either um, so you know hopefully um, you will be able to regroup and potentially uh, be able to go in 2022 which you know is crazy because it'll be a completely yeah. different set of girls you know, be yeah unbelievable so um, okay and then just like last that last point on the on the British coaching obviously you're so you're like Donna Finney in some ways, you know, although Donny was, you know, she's obviously Scottish. Um, you know, she's, you know, that you're you're kind of detached in some ways um, from from the UK. You know, you're obviously back as the as the under 16s coach, but you know, thoughts on on British basketball coaching? Any any thoughts from your, you know, positive or negative? I mean. I think there's so many talented players in the UK. And I think what okay, negative first, I I I it really bothers me how we say it's an elite sport and yet we can't get funding for the girls to go to the, the Olympic qualifiers or like it's a struggle. So I just feel like call a spade a spade, it is what it is be where you're at and grow to something like, I don't know, like stop trying to put like a headdress on a dog and make it a lion. It's a dog. Like we are where we are. And I think when you own where you are, like that's where, okay. And it's fine where we are. And we have a lot of people invested. The amount of people this pandemic for me to get back in touch with UK basketball was awesome. But I think a lot of people just do it to check a box also. And I understand that people are really busy, but there's, there's people that on the daily reach out to me or regular that make an effort. And I think a lot of people, and it's hard because everybody has a different job and all that stuff. And I totally get that. But like, if we want to see it grow, we have to put more effort in. Like people, people just love to talk about themselves. And I think that's, it's horrible for me to say, but like, and I think there's so many great people, but I just don't think we ever give acknowledgement to anybody else. We spent like, and I grew up being like, don't talk about yourself. Like if you're good, people talk about you. And I think people try to justify so much what they're doing and why they're doing it that like, we don't celebrate like who's got what, like, it's always like, well, why did he get that job? Not like, let's rally behind him. Let, like, yeah, let's make this the best team ever. Like, how can we help you? It's like, why did he get that job? And that's like everywhere too, to an extent, but I don't think as a nation, we can afford to be that way. Mm, interesting yeah, and you know I I think there's some really good like young coaches like Jackson Gibbons is really cool like I talked to him he's very realistic with his players they come over to America and they're super successful you know I think it's great that Kramesh has got outside of the UK and he's like expanding himself and he's coaching seeing different and then there's like super random people who are like I've never met Billy Beddo in my life but like he'll reach out and like ask questions and like be, you know, knows that I have a different side to things and like make an effort to form something outside. And I think that's really cool. I mean, even Alan Keane, like Alan Keane is like working on some stuff and he'll like reach out like and ask. And I think communication and like that stuff. But I think my one thing that I wish we would do is like at a trophy final have like a coach's setting where like we get Absolutely. together and you hear like four people talk like a round table. Like, I think that would be really cool to do and and kind of initiate because I think people do have really good things to say. And I think people are really invested. Like, that's the best thing about the UK is a lot of people are doing this for free. Sure. That's great. And they're genuinely invested. Like, that's a lot. And that's like a really great thing. We, we used to... Uh... 
who used to have some things and certainly i mean i'm talking many years ago 20 years mm-hmm. ago plus um you know the, the the end of season finals you know where there would be you know the basically the playoff mm-hmm. bbl playoff finals both for male and female there were there were uh some coaching stuff happening there but also even on an informal basis everyone was there you know so it's like the final four and you'd be meeting someone and then you start yeah. talking about stuff and yeah. i think that that's definitely missing at this moment yeah um, i think yeah. that's a big thing over here that like i think people are reluctant to share at home like i'd give you my playbook i don't care yeah like you know what i'm saying like take my playbook what do you want here's my practice like we're too like it's narrow-minded because it's and for me it's like you're not gonna get fired if you like maybe the bbl like they're gonna get fired if they lose but outside of the bbl like well they don't get fired in the bbl i can tell you you're gonna be in your academy job for as long as you really want to as long as you don't do anything crazy that's why i love james veer is like as real as they come and he is like Well, I, I, as I say now, you know, when it comes to, especially in 2020, 2021, yeah. um, you know, the, the secrets now are almost, it's almost embarrassing to say that word because, you know, when you've got something like Synergy, um, where right. you could just, you know, you can clip, uh, you know, a hundred clips every, for 200, 300 for each right. team, it's ridiculous. You know, there isn't anything, you know, and like yeah. you say, you know, I, I offered um, my video playbook um, for last year you know because like look you know you can go on synergy and watch all those plays anyway so it's not like you're you're learning anything you know like all the out of time out plays are on synergy yeah, you, know, if you yeah, really yeah, want exactly. to see that st- special stuff so yeah crazy crazy stuff um real uh, last um three quick questions um favorite yeah. all-time basketball coach pat summit okay great that's a, a, a an awesome one. We haven't had that one, but you know, she's she's. I I, I spent some time in uh, uh, at the University of Tennessee. I actually spent some wow. summer camps there on the male side. But she was there as the women's coach, wow. and it was like the men were like little people. We used to walk yeah. around, you know. She, that was wow. her place. So yeah, yeah that's, how ama- Wow, that's so cool. She uh, what an amazing woman. Wow incredible um favorite drill even though i know you've probably got hundreds of thousands honestly my favorite drill it's gonna sound really daft is like 11 man three on two continuous okay yeah i love that love that drill yeah great competitive drill as well as all the other stuff that we yeah but you always have to keep it for score like there's always a winner there's There's gotta be a winner in there yeah there's gotta be a winner (laughs) um and then lastly favorite uh saying or statement something that the coach the players hear almost on a daily basis um i think my i this i think i have three so my three are shoot with confidence i think i say that more than anything um i say don't talk about it be about it oh nice yeah and then i say from all my coaching experience, I've never had somebody look back and say, I regret doing too much. Live in the extra mile. You don't regret it. Okay. Live in the extra mile. That's an awesome way to end. Coach, yeah. um, firstly, I really appreciate the time because, you know, I know you're extremely busy. This is a pressured situation, even with the pandemic. And uh, um, to be able to, to do that, um, to, to be able to give back, I really, really appreciate it. We could go forever. And yeah. I hope that there'll be, you know, definitely a part two, because I think that there's so much that we can get into actually, you know, on, on what you do on a, a daily, a weekly, a season basis on a technical tact definitely. basis as well. So, um, I want to say thank you very much indeed and uh, good luck uh, for the rest of the season. I know there's going to be some great things that happen in your, the rest of your career and just yeah. thank you again. Thank you so much. You know, hopefully when I'm back in the UK, maybe we can connect and I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, absolutely, especially as I live in the Northwest as well. Yeah. <laughs> still. <laughs> still. Anyway, coach, really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Time Out. You can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify, so please like, subscribe, and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode.